Hello and welcome to the Society of Chicago, as we like to call it, Society. Lee, Patrick, what did you guys do for the 4th of July? I went to the lakefront and then had a grill out at a friend's apartment. Lots of alcohol all throughout the day. It was very fun. <laughs> Sounds like a solid Chicago 4th of July. Yeah. Yeah. I, grilling and <laughs> drinking. <but> yeah. <laughs> went at the lakefront. It was great. Lee, what did you do for the 4th? Uh, I went to a party out in the suburbs, which was fun because we got to bring Odin out, my dog, and it was like an acre of really nice fenced in yard and other dogs for him to play with and a pool for him to jump in and out of. So he had the time of his life, which made me like such a mom comment. Uh, it made me have an awesome day as well. <laughs> dogs happy, mom's yeah. happy. How about you? We just, we went and saw Midsummer, which is uh, extremely unsettling for two and a half straight hours. And then we made Flawful and watched fireworks from the porch and then in bed by 1030. So <laughs> so domesticated. I know. <laughs> so domesticated you hey, are It was now. great. We're getting you old. moved to Andersonville once and you <laughs> yeah. become incredibly domesticated. It was going to be 90, 90 plus degrees. And so we're like, well, you know what? Let's go see a movie and uh, take advantage of the air conditioning. So That's fair. We all put so much sunscreen on. We still all got a little bit burnt like from being out in the lake. Well, the people we're talking to today, they also have experience with burning and with lakes and with fire. Uh, uh, yeah, transitions. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. That's why I was telling you to keep going and not address it. And so No, so the, today we're talking to Devin Bean and Michael LaHood uh, from the Full Moon Jam. He is one of the leaders of the Full Moon Jam, which is a fire dancing group performance here in Chicago. So they are a group of people that bring musicians and artists and fire dancers to around the Foster Beach, Montrose Harbor area uh, on the lakefront every summer, uh, as close to the full moon as they can get to come together and dance and celebrate their lives here in the city. That sounds awesome, but also it sounds like something that the Chicago Park Districts would not be like super happy about. Bulls <laughs> open flames, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, but you can't do a, a bonfire on the beach, so how do maybe if they you're get like spinning that? the fire around your head, it's then okay. It's a plus, I don't know. I um I was very curious because I'd seen it pop up before on the best things to do in Chicago, like those kind of lists, like oh, what to do in the summer in Chicago, and it was like full moon jam. It's like what the hell is this <laughs> yeah so i've never actually been to one uh but in doing some research i was like whoa okay there are fire dancers here in chicago this is we should try to talk to them so i reached out on the website and hoodie and i went back and forth for like a month and a half and finally we were able to find a date that works so super excited that we got hoodie and uh, devin on the show Awesome. So what is Hoodie and Devin's role? It, like, who who are we talking to today? So uh, Mike Hoodie is the foundation president of the uh, Full Moon Jam Foundation. And Devin works with him to help put this on. They organize everything. They bring people together. They run fire safety trainings. Uh, they coordinate all the dancers and musicians and things like that. Uh, do all some of the, the legal paperwork to do fire dancing in the city. Uh, they kind of make the whole thing run. That's super exciting. So let's welcome Devin and Hoodie. So how did this community first come to be? Who founded it? Uh, how long has it been around? Well, the Full Moon Jam started, I want to say, in 2003, 2003, 2004. We weren't there when it started. Um, but there were eight friends uh, that came together to celebrate a birthday party underneath the, the moon 
and uh, they brought fire dancing. They brought brought drumming. Uh, there was a rabbit. There was a roast rabbit. <laughs> they were just having a good time together on the on the beach. And then eventually, the the bike patrol came by, and they thought, you know, maybe this might be, you know, maybe we're getting kicked out. The the police that uh, that police the area have always been really supportive, starting with the moment that they were like, hey. That's really cool. You guys are doing awesome stuff, and it seems like you're doing it safely. Why don't you come back next month and do it again? And so they came back the next month and had a good time, and there were a few more people. And then they came back the next month and had a good time, and there were a few more people. And do that for about 15 years, and you get a lot of people. Um, it's you know, it's basically at its core, though. Um, it's that same thing. It's friends getting together to celebrate, to be joyful together. It's, you know, it's, we're not, it's not a place where you're going and, and asking for money to be exchanged. There's no expectation other than be good to each other, look out to each other, be hospitable, be friends and celebrate just the fact that we're together. Uh, and it's pretty powerful that, that I think it's kept that same, uh, that same kind of core breath for all this time. So we always think that, um, we really keep the spirit of that first night together. Really, it's a bunch of friends getting together. We just happen to have a thousand friends now, <laughs> and we don't really know all of our friends, but they're all coming together as a community. And there's this big ecosystem that's grown up around it. So it's not just fire. It's not just drums, even though those two elements are kind of the core parts. Uh, but people bring picnics. There's yoga that happens beforehand. There's slacklining. There's photography. There's all these different groups of friends that come out and participate <laughs> with no expectation of money exchanging just to be together and and to be responsible together it's family friendly it's uh no alcohol we really all look out for each other and have an amazing evening just as a community dancing under the moonlight dancing under the moonlight mm -hmm. celebrating awesome. and this happens uh near foster beach correct so it's about a quarter mile south of foster avenue where foster avenue runs into the lakefront so it all becomes a big parking lot. If you take Foster Avenue, it just all turns right and go park about you know a quarter mile down. There are grass fields, and that's where it takes place. First question: Does is this actually happening during the full moon every month? And like, how structured is it? I guess is is the question. It's become structured. So it used to be a renegade event. We kind of kept growing and growing, and more people would hear about it, and it was very kind of organic growth. And come on out to the jam. You know, it's just a bunch of friends, and, you know, 200 people and 300. And, and the community, there was this mantra, protect the community, protect the jam, you know, because we always knew that as a kind of a renegade event that was happening under the radar, but not really <laughs> under the radar, we're kind of, you know, it's impossible not to notice yeah. a couple hundred people. You start getting listed in dancing. the top 10 things to do in Chicago. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It starts getting a little. Um, a little <laughs> so, well, with that, you know, we kind of got, okay, um, you need to start getting permits. You need to start getting all the insurance. So we went from this thing that was just this gift from the organizers and the performers. Yeah, we can bring some fuel. We can get, you know, some uh, safety blankets and stuff like that to all of a sudden, okay, we need to start a foundation and do fundraising because we're committed that it's always going to be free to the public. If we can't do that, there is no jam. The Full Moon Jam is free to the public. We do need help making it happen because there's a significant budget now. Yeah, the organizers definitely carried a lot of that weight for several years, and uh, it's just kind of grown beyond our capacity to 
to carry by ourselves. So we definitely have become a lot more reliant on the community support. Yeah, it's definitely becoming a, a communal effort, as it always has been. Devin, maybe can you just paint a picture for our listeners of what they would see when they walk into this event or come to this event for the first time? Well, I mean, a resounding sense of joy as uh, hundreds of people are dancing and playing music and uh, just a spectacle of fire and lights and a sense of uh, welcoming community. Everyone there has this general sense of consideration for for anybody that's never attended. We have people walking around the event deliberately there to answer questions and to be the welcoming committee, the the ushers into this this amazing experience. So come dive in and 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 enjoy whatever element uh, that we have, whether that's just watching the fire dancers, whether it's jumping into the drum circle and adding your own rhythms, or whether that's uh, just letting loose and and dancing or sitting by the lake and enjoying a picnic. Michael, you mentioned uh, you didn't live in Chicago and you needed to find your your fire people. I assume you're a fire dancer based on that comment. <laughs> um, uh, how did you get into fire dancing and what like situation were you in when you ultimately came to Chicago and continued to build out this community? Back in 2001, uh, I went to Burning Man for the first time and uh, my friend and I saw fire dancing and we're like, wow, we're going to do this next time. You know, we come, we're going to come back to Burning Man next year and we're going to be fire dancers. And we did. So that kind of started my fire dancing journey. And there are so many people along the way where it was always kind of a nice hobby. And then they were like, Hey, hoodie, come on over. We've got this video project. And all of a sudden we started this video business that was instructional videos on how to dance and all this sort of stuff. And I just kept having friends that were in the community that kept bringing me back and bringing me back. And eventually I was like, okay, I guess this isn't a hobby. This is kind of one of the core things of my life. So when I came to Chicago, I was like, okay, I need to find, you know, my people. And so I did. Before the Moon Jam, how do you think you would have found this community in Chicago? I think it would have been really hard to outside of, so the full moon jam kind of had uh, a lot of its origins in the burner community along with Burning Man, but they're not the same thing by any sense uh, of the term, but there is a lot of influence. So I, I probably would have kind of through that tried to find these people, but really one of the unique things in Chicago is, especially having come from San Francisco, out there, everyone was kind of a fire spinner because everyone kind of did the same thing as me. Everyone was going out to Burning Man. It almost was a San Francisco thing at that point. And everyone was like, hey, I'm going to do this. And just like, you know, just like it was this popular hobby. Whereas in Chicago, there were a few people that did it. And a lot of the fire dancing tradition in Chicago ended up going through those people. So it was much more concentrated. It was much more organized. It was much less renegade. And one person like Liz um, or a few people, you know, the, the, the people that she was running the jams with were able to have kind of an outsized influence as really kind of the, the founding group in Chicago that, that popularized it, that legitimized it. And that meant that by having everyone all learn the same stuff and all learn the same norms and really look out for each other all this time, there's a reason why at this point we're partnering with Chicago because they laid an amazing foundation that was really organized and really ready to work together as a cohesive group. Pretty incredible uh, mm-hmm. that that happened at just the right time with just the right people. Mm-hmm. Do you know how, uh, how your wife found it? 
to be able to bring you to it when you were visiting? Uh, you know, the first time we went to the, that first jam that we went to, we were wandering around Montrose Harbor trying to find it because everyone was like, it's at Montrose Beach. Oh, no. And <laughs> I even hear that today. People are like, mm-hmm. it's at Montrose. And I'm like, nah, because I remember being like, I think I hear drums off in the distance. And we were wandering for like 45 minutes before finding <laughs> it. Um, so she hadn't been. She had heard of it kind of through word of mouth as well. But But it was, you know, at that point, still one of those things that wasn't immediately accessible unless you stumbled upon it. Yeah, it's interesting that you went into it uh, having been to Burning Man prior and knowing about that experience and that that culture and that ethos because I came into it with no idea what Burning Man was. I didn't even, I had never attended. Um, I, I, I had been kind of raised on music. It was just this mind-blowing experience that I'd never seen anywhere before like not like this was completely new to me so it was, it was really interesting coming into it and and finding this community that had these set of values and and this philosophical ethos that i just never really knew that there was a community that that supported this that that was living that way um so it was really amazing um I, over the course of you know the four or five years before uh, i i came to meet people in the fire spinning community and actually connect with them that it suddenly became you know aware of all these other communities and other non-fire related activities and um and then there was all this crossover between all these different kind of subgroups and and different uh, different people from different backgrounds so it was really kind of a beautiful way to kind of expand my horizons um, and understandings of the possibilities of what other events and other people that i could meet and attend even though it's grown so much and it seems like it's become you know top 10 things to do in chicago weird you know whatever uh it does sound like the theme of what was originally intended for it to be has persisted um i guess what would you attribute that most to to be able to keep the feeling of the community and the openness and the just you just said you could see joy (laughs) you know uh how 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 do you sustain that for so long one of the really really important things is We really want everyone to be responsible for themselves, whether it's, and not only responsible for themselves, but in that lookout for other people. It's not this individualistic thing. It's like everyone wants to, you know, carry their own weight, but they also want to create an open, welcoming, supportive environment for each other. With fire dancing specifically, a lot of the things that we do are, you know, in the the order of things when you're involved is you spin once you safety once, then you volunteer. So built into the DNA of, of the core of what we do, there isn't anyone that is coming out and just being the diva and being like, hey, I am the show. Yeah. Because you are immediately responsible in a very, very essential way for someone else. To be the safety for someone else when you're fire dancing is a really strong connection. It's a consent-based partnership where people are truly working together have to be looking out for each other. You can't perform without a safety and a safety is doing an incredible service for you. So I feel like everyone's kind of down to earth in the performer side. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is it just grew from that friends thing. It was never this event that people are like, oh, we've got this idea and we want to be the biggest thing in the world. And it was kind of like for a while we're like, hey, pull it back. We can't grow so fast, you know, and it just organically grew out of joy rather than out of grandiosity. Yeah, you know? I think there's a level of sensibility as well in that fire is inherently dangerous. Everyone knows that when you play with fire, you have to take it seriously. 
um, and there's a sense of respect that it demands. Um, and so I think because of the stewards of the event, Liz Campanella and, and, and you know, and Hoodie here, and everyone uh, that has been involved has has taken a very serious approach to the safety and consideration of those that are attending. Not just because obviously it's the right thing to do, but because we care about the art form and that we all want to see it expand. And what we know that there's a level of, of magic inherent in this art form that we want to help facilitate and that we want to garner some level of uh, respect or acknowledgement from, from, from the powers that be because most cities are not as welcoming as Chicago has been. That's an awesome transition to what I want to talk about next, which is Chicago as a city's role in the success of, of this event. So first of all, I know you mentioned that there is a foundation that is born. Uh, have you tried to spread any outside of Chicago as a city? Are you in the suburbs at all? Any other locations or is it just Foster Beach happening? Right now it's so right now we're really working in Chicago mainly because we are all volunteer run. No one has uh, an actual money producing job out of this. So this yeah. is, you know, it, it in many ways is the, uh, are the demands of a job, um, but Spain no one's <laughs> actually making money off this. So really we're focused on kind of the, the communities we serve, but that uh, is taking a lot of different shape. So we have the full moon jam, which is, is and always will be our core event. But then we have done other teaching and growing kind of participant-only events called the Reserve Jam because we wanted to give spaces for people to learn, for people to learn fire safely. Because in order to perform at the Full Moon Jam, uh, we require that people have experience with fire. And then we realized there are so many people that really want to get involved and they're really excited and they're lighting up in their backyard and they don't necessarily, even though we offer safety training to everyone, mm -hmm. a lot of times people take safety training when they're ready for the jam, but you know, we're kind of like, okay, let's make spaces that are safe for people to be around people with a lot of experience that we can kind of guide them in a, in a much better sort of way. We have been partnering with the city in a lot of different ways, different sorts of parades and workshops. They've been absolutely amazing. We're part of the Night Out in the Parks program. We've done different sorts of winter events called Fire and Ice. And we have a new thing that Devin has kind of been the super lead on that <laughs> yeah. maybe he so, wants to talk about. <laughs> unexpectedly, I stumbled across an application online that was inviting performance groups to apply for a grant to put on production downtown at Millennium Park. Kind of on a whim, I was reading through through the application process. It said we were looking for innovative uh, events and the productions that somewhat risk-centric. And I was like, well, that, that sounds like us to a T. <laughs> like, that's exactly what we do. We are risk, but we know what we're doing and, and, uh, and can take control of that. So applied for it. To my surprise, they approved us. So we are now putting on a full two-hour production downtown at uh, Millennium Park around around the Cloud Gate. Um, so it's going to be kind of a, a new venture for us, being fully funded directly by the city in the heart of downtown Chicago. So that's kind of pushing the forefront again of what the fire community is capable of. And so this opportunity, uh, the Moonlight Parade, as, as it is called. When is that happening? Uh, is it going to be in mid-September? And uh, yeah, it's just kind of this, this massive undertaking that 
uh, is just going to really kind of legitimize again what we've been doing we honestly would not be happening if yeah. it weren't for night out in the parks yeah they uh, saved us <laughs> yeah at the point where we really had to go from renegade into legit mode which was a transition that that honestly took a couple of years uh there were two major things that had to happen really three we had to get you know okays uh, from the city, and so certain you know important groups were, were okaying us, mm-hmm. the aldermen, and we had to get the community to support us. There was, in order to get the permits that we suddenly needed, we needed a couple thousand dollars on the spot. We sent out this, oh my gosh, you know, uh, fundraiser, and the community res- resoundingly responded uh, and made sure the jams continued. The third thing that had to happen, though, is we needed to make it somehow sustainable. Now, we still have, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff that, you know, a lot of price hikes and this and that that we have to deal with. But the night out in the park made it, especially at that surprise extinction moment, made it feasible for us to to continue this. And just because yeah. I'm not familiar, does night out in the parks, are they funding you or are they just kind of giving the stamp of this is legit and we want to support it as a city? There, there are a few things going on. So they give a grant that covers part of our costs, not all of our costs, because they're supporting as many artists as they can. It's an amazing program. If you check out the Night Out in the Parks website and the app, there are all these different performances that are happening near your house if you are in Chicago. Um, They're all over all the different parks, and there are a lot of different artists um, who are uh, bringing their work out to the public for free. They're able to give us a sense of legitimacy and a way to talk with the city uh, and with different city structures. And then we have a partial grant from them as well. I guess in in what other ways do you think that this is successful in Chicago that it maybe wouldn't be in other cities based on some other cities that I know you've lived elsewhere? um, Do you think this could exist in scale to other cities or do you think Chicago is kind of this special hub that allows this to be? In many ways, it was right time, right place. A lot of people ask us, okay, what did you do? How did you make this happen in such a large city that has a lot of standards to it. You know, they don't just, you know, kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do, yeah, d- run with it. It almost burned down a couple centuries ago. Yeah, so. uh, the Great Chicago Fire. <laughs> we didn't do it. It, yeah. it was a it cow. It wasn't us. It was a cow. Right before um, this started. <laughs> but um, it was. it's one of those things where um, really that, that early leadership, that early buy-in from the community to actually listen and say, hey, this is a bit structured, but we're going to run along with this because this is pretty darn cool. When I came in from the Bay Area, I was kind of like, they are really kind of anal about stuff. <laughs> um, and now I'm this dude that's like, oh, yeah, no, we got to do it this way. We got to do it this way. I'm like the, <laughs> the, the dude that's like really on all the rules because I see how much impact it has. Um, and there are different places where cities are kind of like, OK, we're sick of this renegade stuff going on. And you can't necessarily wrangle everyone and be like, okay, come on, everyone, stop doing all this stuff so we can, you know, get together. In Chicago, I feel like, you know, probably about 70% of the people who are fire spinning at some point have some crossing with the full moon jam. It has outsized influence on the community. It has outsized buy-in from the community. Do I want this to happen elsewhere? Absolutely. And I want to share all the lessons that we've learned. But really to kind of be that that spark where it kind of takes off, 
it was really right time, right place, right people. When do you have this event? What are the months that it's kind of functional on a month-to-month basis? Uh, We usually happen between May and September. Uh, Our dates are always posted up on our website, and we announce them um, usually in in March or so for the season. Uh, We also have Halloween parades. And I know we've talked a lot about fire dancing, but Devin, you have a music background. What role does music play at these events? Is it a show up with a drum and you could be part of the event? Anybody and everybody that has some uh, incline or interest in in participating in the the musical side of things is absolutely encouraged. Um, It's kind of has its own ecosystem where they just form this massive circle and uh, invite everyone to come in and, and, and dance and whatever instrument you have. As long as you're respectful about it, um, you're encouraged and welcome to, to come participate. Nobody is, again, there to be the star. It's all a communal event. We all want to feel good about what's happening. We all want everybody to feel that they're able to participate. Have you Amazing. had to kick people up before? I Define don't. kick people up. Yeah, what do you <laughs> we, don't, we don't really have to leave. I don't, yeah, I we don't, don't have the authority so. to kick yeah, people no. out. We're all in the parks together. Right, exactly. Um, I don't I think wondering. that we've ever had that sort of incidents. I don't think that there's ever been an incident that we haven't been able to approach an individual causing a problem that hasn't resulted in some understanding between all parties involved. Protect the community, protect the jam. That is deeply effective. And I think, Because people know that this is something really special and no one wants to be that person that puts that in danger. Right. Um, So that will immediately, you know, the light will change in someone's eyes. We have, for safety reasons, uh, sometimes revoked clearance and said, hey, you got to go back to get retrained because that was not okay. We need to, and it's one of those impactful lessons and then it's kind of like, okay, and then come back. Come back with us. Let's right. go There's back at this. There's always a chance for redemption. And yeah, <laughs> let's go back at this and do it the right way. Right. And Awesome. And and how big are these events typically? From a, How many people come out? When we're at our peak, we're pushing over a thousand. You know, I think it's really, we're not necessarily good at counting. We can't keep yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> no one's there with the ticker. Um, wow. That's way bigger than I was expecting. Yeah. I was expecting like 400. No, maybe no, five, no. Yeah, yeah no. Damn. That's 400 participants <laughs> alone. You know? Really? I mean, 100 fire spinners, probably 200 drummers at least, I would assume. Yeah, we can get 100 fire spinners yeah. checking in. They're eight at a time. We never, you know, we Ten? never eight, fill eight, them yeah. or else we would be be creating a gigantic circle. And that impacts audience, you know, like, hey, I felt I was so far away from all the spinners. Sometimes we'll get over 100 fire dancers checking in saying, hey, I'm going to be performing tonight. And we track everyone and make sure that, you know, people are up to date and participating. All inclusive. Yeah. You guys are making my transition super easy. Um, <laughs> so, um, so I'm a fire dancer and oh. I didn't, I, I'm not. I'm, oh. We're, oh. We're Theoretically. Here, would, you, would you like <laughs> to be a fire you're dancer? Not, okay. You're, you're right, a fire, we'll you will be hang a fire dancer. Okay, we're, yeah. we'll answer that first. <laughs> Um, I would like to be a fire dancer. I know you guys have this event, but I haven't been to one before. What do I do? We want to create safe, accepting spaces for everyone. One of the first things, though, to do is find a way to learn your prop. And that may be YouTube videos. It may be juggling and hanging out with people that you meet around the jam. Once you know how to move with a prop, come talk to us because we will teach you about the fire. We have trained over a thousand people in fire safety over the years. We have created, I think, one of the cutting edge 
uh, best fire training uh, series that is ever growing, ever expanding. We got new great stuff that we're always testing and you know, putting out big fires in experimental ways. We're like, yeah, let's teach everyone how to do this. Um, because we really want everyone to progress and be along on this journey and be safe together. Email us at info at fullmoonjam.org if you are at the point where you're like, yeah, I spin my hoop competently. I Mm -hmm. spin my poi competently. I have a staff and I'm doing all these moves with it. So by the time I'm I'm trained up, um, what's a new scenario? I just moved from New York to Chicago and I already have skill and I want to perform. Uh, what's the process to actually get on stage, queer quotes, to, to perform in a moon jam? Prior to every jam, we host a fire safety training that's mandatory. Mm-hmm. And so this, of course, gets us all on the same page of the expectations of what fire safety should be. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the big things is we have uh, our website, fullmoonjam.org. Cool. We have a Facebook group. Come talk to us. Reach out to us uh, in those groups at the email info at fullmoonjam.org, and we'll give you information on how to come in, how to be a part of it. And then uh, I just the passive person who wants to check it out, uh, website, I assume, they find the date and just show up, make sure they get there early for a parking spot in a good spot, but it's as easy as that? It's as easy as that. Uh, the important things to remember, the really, the three big things, no alcohol, we're a family-friendly event, and leave no trace. First, for the for two of you, what do you? Where do you see you see yourself going within this community? So yeah, so I am actually on my way out across the country for for family reasons. My wife got a job out west. Um, I think one of the hardest there are two hard things about moving: one, family and friends, and two, the full moon jam, which is family and friends. A lot of people could have felt very possessive of this event. Because it's really cool and it's amazing to like, you know, you raise this flaming sword up and everyone's listening to you and that sort of thing. But it's really beautiful to kind of create fertile ground in a community and then let someone else take over and have their time with it. And to know that it was here before me and it's going to go on after me and to see it thrive is just the most rewarding thing in the world. Yeah, I guess my hope is that maybe by having established this that other cities will kind of start to recognize this as a legitimate art form and that we will be able to provide them with the infrastructure necessary uh, to establish new jams in new cities. Great answers, both of you. Uh, Is there anything that we haven't covered that you either want people to know about the event or anything that you want to say directly to your community? Did you want to say directly to the community? Wow. <laughs> Buckle up. Oh, man. Uh, the community. They're, they're, the community um, that we get to do this alongside is the reason to keep doing this. From the drummers to the fire dancers to everyone that just comes and is a part of it, I have never, ever, ever been a part of just a, a group of people who are so purely coming together to just celebrate with each other and to revel in each other growing in each other's successes. You'll never be around a more supportive audience. You'll never be around more receptive collaborators who are listening, who are looking out for each other, who are protecting each other and creating spaces for each other to grow. And it is beautiful. Devin and Hoodie, thank you so much for being on. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Devin and Mike, for coming and talking with us about fire spinning and breathing and all sorts of different wild activities. And what I thought was very interesting was it's more than just a tight-knit group of performers. They want everyone to get involved. So they want you to bring your drums and they want you to come and learn and go to those fire safety days so you can eventually participate, which I think is a, a, a totally different take on it. It's almost like hard to explain because it's more than just a performance. It's like an inclusive performance mm -hmm. that really blurs the line between participant and audience member, which is pretty cool. And I definitely want to go check it out at least once. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll hop into the, the drum circle. <laughs> I don't have much rhythm, but. Which speaking of, if you like what you hear today and you want to check out Full Moon Jam, there is actually one happening tonight up at Foster Beach. Um, go check out their website. And uh, if you're free tonight, uh, we're going to be there and we would love to, to see you. Absolutely. Thanks again for listening. Uh, if you like what you hear, please rate review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. You can reach out to us at uh, societypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at society or Twitter at societypod. Again, let us know if you like what you hear and if you have ideas of people we should talk to or uh, want to send comments or questions for people we already have spoken with, please uh, send an email our way. We also have some pretty exciting news, don't we? We do. Uh, so we just got word that on September 4th, we're actually going to be doing a live podcast with the founder of Koval Distillery. So it's a kind of a dream come true to have them on as a, as a guest uh, and to be able to talk to them live in their space uh, is going to be really rewarding. We will be selling tickets to that. So keep a lookout on our social media. Send us an email if you want to make sure you get one and we'll let you know when that link goes live. Come on out. We're really excited to share that experience with you guys. We are excited and maybe a little terrified. Mm, yeah, like equal parts. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a 50-50, but it's going to be fun. Regardless, we're going to get you some samples of Cobalt. Exactly. So, if you so like, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm Lee. I'm Sam. And I'm Patrick. See you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs>